You're listening to the Greatest Multifamily Investment Advice Show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the Greatest Multifamily Advice Show. Today we have Pelly Yersi, real estate investor out of Tennessee. Please work, please help uh, help me to welcome our guest. How are you, Feli? So good. Thank you so much for having me on, Adam. I am honored. Thank you so much for being with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time. So uh, I, w- I will start with you and Jason, your, your journey on multifamily. How was the beginning for you on multifamily? So we started... Um... I started off as a real estate agent. Actually, if we want to go way back, Jason and I were bartenders in New York City. We were bartenders in New York City. We finally saw each other in the ending of 2012. And we took our steps together. We worked one more more year, basically making money for someone else. It was an incredible bar that we worked for. (laughs) We ran the bar. We managed the bar. But that was the last year. And then Hurricane Sandy happened. Jason's family actually lifts and moves homes. They actually lift properties uh, above the base flood elevation. They add square footage sometimes, but they fix foundations. And we had a amazing construction company. So first we started going into his family's business. I was answering phones, doing a lot of the office work and Jason did hands-on work, um, took his role as a president of the company. And we started that way, but then you know, we saw growth and we saw that we could get into real estate and we also decided to have our first child. So I was pregnant with our first child. I got my real estate license. We took down our first flip and it took us a year to do this first flip. Hmm. Um, and then the flip flipping turned into wholesaling, wholesaling turned into small multi, small multis. So I was at a real meeting, a, uh, Another investor approached me about turnkey investing, and I told him we weren't interested. He he was adamant about us checking out his properties. We looked at it. They made sense. This was in Indianapolis in 2016. Okay. So we bought two duplexes. They cash flowed, I think it was over 22%. There was a 22% ROI. We could have easily... Um, we could have easily took this and we could have easily scaled it. Instead, Jason found large multifamily. By that time, I was pregnant with our second child. So now we have construction, we have flipping, we have wholesaling, we have small rentals. Jason still has his brewery. We have a restaurant in New York City that we actually own or mm. part own. And we're pregnant with our second child. So I'm pregnant <laughs> with the yeah. And you have a family, so you understand. Yeah. pregnant with one child is or just your first child is one thing um but pregnant with a toddler is a whole nother world so when he brings multifamily to the table I was like absolutely not we're not doing something else we already have a problem with focusing but with education and knowing that this was the way to go this was our next step in our journey Hmm. we got into multifamily about eight months later we took down our first multifamily. That was a 94 unit in Louisville, Kentucky. So you started from uh, Ohio, but you're from Tennessee. So why you didn't start on on Tennessee, like um, Nashville, Memphis? Why was Ohio? What was the upside uh, for you? So we started our real estate journey in New Jersey. 
Oh, okay. First large, our first small multifamily was in Indianapolis. Okay. Um, we actually were looking in Greensboro, North Carolina first. Okay. Just saw that the metrics were there. There was, and this was 2017, uh, 2016, 2017. Um, we saw that it was in the path of progress. We saw that it had all the metrics that we were looking for, population growth, you know, very steady population growth, very steady job growth. Um, it wasn't it wasn't built on just one single like factory. There was multiple um, job opportunities there, but we weren't finding the deal flow that we were looking for, or yeah. we weren't we we simply just weren't getting the deals, regardless of deal flow. It just wasn't happening. So someone tells us to check out. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And mm. Kentucky made sense to us on a couple of ways, a couple of reasons. Again, all the great standards that I had mentioned before. Plus, all of the market fundamentals, you mean? Well, I'm sorry. All of the market fundamentals, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, all the market fundamentals. Um, also, my sister in law lives there. Jason's okay. Sister lives there. So okay. it was a place that we're going to visit anyway. Yeah. So that's why when I talk to people about when they want to choose a market, we go through those market fundamentals. And then I ask them, where do you want to visit? Because you're mm. going to be spending some time there. Mm. And if there's, if you want to go, if you see that Alabama is the place that you want to be, mm. then go there, go to someplace where you're going to want to spend time at. So what was the, like, it was a big transition for you from 2017 to now? Uh, my first question will be how many units under management and what was the really the point is really change your a portfolio and able to scale your portfolio what was the upside and the main uh, action you did to scale your portfolio so currently we're at 1400 assets under management mm -hmm. um totaling about 160 million yeah. Um, what was the main driver of that? It was really scaling our business. We know that within large multifamily, it is super scalable. The economies of scale is are there that you cannot find in small multis. And flipping and wholesaling to me was was kind of just owning my job. Hmm. For me, large multifamily became the next step, but Again, I explained like how Jason and I had all these things that we're doing. Yeah. Once we decided to bring more people on, scale actually scaling our business and working on our business instead of in our business, hmm. then we were able to realize more gains, bring in more people, bring in more investors and help more people hmm. as we started bringing in more people to work with us. Our first hire was Alessandra Thompson. Uh, when we moved to when we moved to Tennessee, our first hire was Alessandra Thompson, and I found her on Clubhouse. Um, it's actually a fantastic story. We talked for months on Clubhouse. One day, I told we had a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and it was a fifteen-minute conversation. And at the end of the conversation, I invited her, if she was ever in Tennessee, to come see me and let's go have coffee. Hmm. A few weeks later, she lived. She started living in Tennessee. We had coffee, <laughs> and I kid you not. Two days before we were to meet, our assistant has to quit because her mother needs her in Florida. Okay. So when we meet Alessandra, she's just, she's perfect. And we bring her in as, a, as our assistant. And now she's one of our analysts. 
and working our way to uh, asset management. Um, the other hires that we've we brought in is a director of marketing, um, Tori, and our uh, our our director of acquisitions, uh, Brandon. Okay, so you're expanding already. So, uh, one of the questions for for you as now is you started your journey on the last four years. How you managed to create a, a pipeline of deals on your new market, especially that you're not from Tennessee. What was again your plan to to have this constant pipeline of of deals? So we started our journey in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, we also have units in Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. We had one in Austin that was with partners that has recently sold. Um, and we have some um, deal flow happening and three units, actually two, we're closing on the other soon okay. in the Atlanta area, actually the Decatur area. So when we- Decatur is like Georgia, correct? Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia, yes. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, so the when we were coming out of the, ten, uh, the Kentucky market, we had actually had at one point five assets in Kentucky. We've sold four. Um, we just have, we have one left there. Moving into the Tennessee market was really easy for us because it's the people you know, right? Hmm. So one of the, one of our mentors back when we were house flipping, Bill Allen, um, we brought him in as an LP. He started learning. And of course, as our smart LPs and the ones that are very entrepreneurial and already in real estate start to see how we're doing and what we're doing, they want to start coming on the GP side, right? Hmm. So he starts looking at multifamily in a different way and starts partnering up with other people in the industry. He partners up with this gentleman by the name of Chad King. And Chad finds a a, uh, multifamily property here in Murfreesboro. Hmm. Um, And Chad asks Bill to partner up with him. Bill tells Chad, I will partner up with you, but not without Jason and Keely. So that's how we took down our first multifamily unit in Tennessee. Hmm. It wasn't because we knew where to find the deals. We knew people who knew where to find the deals. Hmm. And by chance, we end up, um, because we were looking to live in Denver or Phoenix, Hmm. but that didn't work out. And one day Jason says, because we're already working on this Murphy, Murfreesboro property, why don't we look at Tennessee? Why yes. don't we look at the Nashville area? And mm-hmm. we ended up moving to Murfreesboro um, shortly before we closed on our first property here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what is your target market in Tennessee? Are you focusing only on Tennessee, like Memphis and Nashville, or you're going where, wherever is, uh, the deal is? Uh, we focus on the Nashville MSA, hmm. um, particularly in Murfreesboro. We actually just sold one of our properties here, not the one that I just told you about. This was another property, um, a smaller property that we turned quickly. Um, so yeah, we look in the Nashville MSA. We are also in the uh, Atlanta, Georgia MSA. Like hmm. I said, around, um, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it's jo- John Jonesboro, Jonesboro. Um, area. Hmm. Uh, we have a, a uh, asset that we're taking down there. Um, we don't really go, quote, where the deals are. Um, we go 
So we know and we acquire and we're, I think we're the best at acquiring units here in Tennessee because we live here. Mm. We know the markets. Um, our partners have lived here all their lives. So they definitely know the markets. Um, and our partners in, in the Atlanta area, they definitely know the markets. Mm. So it's really about, for me, it's about the people that we know. Yes, yeah. we can study any market we're knowledgeable enough to study any market and quite possibly find deals there. But I'd rather go where I know, like, and trust the people that I get to work with. Because multifamily, as you know, as a lot of your listeners probably know, it's, it's a team sport. Yeah. You can't do this alone. And anybody that says that they do, I'd love to talk to you. Because <laughs> I love the fact that I get to work with others. I get to figure out what others' superpowers are and connect them to what Jason and I do. So Jason, out of the both of us, is one of the best asset managers that I know. And I'm not just saying that because I'm he's your husband. Because he's my <laughs> husband. He's he's truly amazing at what he does. I I love to raise capital. I love talking with people. Mm-hmm. I believe in providing opportunity to others, especially those that don't know that this opportunity exists because one day whoever you talk to might be that one person that has the capital that you you could help put to play and make more money on their money but before i go on another tangent i will uh i will leave it there Uh, for sure for sure Uh, i think one of the things right now with the market especially with the lending side is the challenges with the, with the lender policies because of the new uh, interest rate spikes and we're waiting for another one in July. So what was uh, what is your plan right now on, on the underwriting process and what was the, what is the challenges now for finding deal for you in Tennessee? So the, it changes our numbers, definitely. I mean, that's basically what it does. And you, you underwrite for where you think the market's going to go, where it is currently. You underwrite for the best case, the base case, and the worst case. And you make sure that your assumptions are as correct to to what you think they're going to be. I know there is, and I actually got that question at a conference I went to, and it's really just changing your numbers up and making sure that you are taking to account that the market's changing. It's not going to be at the interest rates that we've had previously. But I was also talking to an older investor and, and she was saying, I remember when interest rates were 17%. So back to the 90s, yeah. 90s and 80s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before so, our time, yeah. But the thing is, regardless of where the interest rates are going to be, there's still going to be real estate that needs to be bought and sold. People still need places to live. We just need to find those sellers that are willing to that are willing to sell at a price that we can buy. And if the numbers don't work, then they don't work. If one day that uh, we can't find a deal that works, then we will we will pivot at that point. But right now we are still finding deal flow. Our my acquisitions person, he's he's very, very busy looking at deals every single day. So regardless of where the interest rates go, we will adjust, we will pivot, and we'll take those steps necessary to keep our business going. So right now, what is the current uh, cap rate on Nashville with the current um, 
interest rates and like what does the market look like now? Uh, Nashville market, I, you know what, honestly, I'm not sure right now. So I am guessing it is in like a five. Okay. I honestly, I'm the, out of all of us in my team, I am the one that does not keep her eyes and thumb on that pulse. Because, I mean, you and I both know, like with what we do in value add multifamily, that that metric is more for a stabilized asset and the assets that we buy are usually unstabilized. 100%, 100%. You, you mentioned that you like uh, more the raising capital, socializing. What was uh, your journey with raising capital in the beginning and how you change your system to have it more effective? Uh, I kind of stay with the same system. I just talk to everyone. Okay. Uh, didn't talk so, so far, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to everyone and I made sure I have, and I still use the same spreadsheet, even though we are with InvestNext, we have an investment platform. When I talk to people, you usually go on my spreadsheet and I keep track of how many times I talk to you, um, maybe some information on what we talked about. And I go from there because most of the time when I talk to someone, and I'm sure you found it in your day-to-day life. Most people don't know what you what you do or maybe have no interest in what you do. Mm-hmm. And you save it for another day, maybe five years down the road, even a year down the road. In fact, I was just talking to someone who is primarily in the crypto market. Mm-hmm. She's really interested in what I have to say now. Whereas I talked to her a year ago and she was like, no, I'm good. Um, you know, real estate is for... Uh, for, I don't know, older people. I forgot what she said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she's, oh, sure. she's, she's younger than, she was, she's, uh, she's ready now. a bit younger. She's yeah. like 15 years younger than me. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was talking with her about a year ago. Now I'm talking with her again. And I was telling her, this is a great time to learn about what I do. You might not have the capital right now, but I know knowing her track record, she'll be able to build back up from where she is now because you and I both know crypto has tanked, so has her portfolio. Not a good time for her to sell out, but when it comes back, who do I want her to talk to? I want her to talk to me because she knows that I care about where and what happens to her finances um, regardless of what she thinks about real estate and whether or not it's an old people's game I think it's fantastically funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so I was like, am I old? Yeah. Have I gotten to that, no. gotten to that standpoint? No. We're not um, this old anyway. So yeah. I was like, yeah, real estate is old. It's been here since uh, before we were all born. Um, yeah. And it'll continue to be here after the crypto markets have come and gone. Real estate will always be here. It's this more stabilized asset. And I explained this to her and she's willing to learn. But had I not had the conversation with her a year ago, I don't know if this conversation would be happening now. So when it comes to the capital raise, yes, there are set tried and true ways that everybody does it themselves. But I believe in creating that long-term relationship because I fully believe relationships equal partnerships. You have to establish 
a firm relationship first in order to get to that partnership. Yes, I could spout my credibility. I could, I could make it really glitzy and glamorous or I can let people know each other and I know me and I know it's a longer play and you know, people want to get to the money as quick as possible. But for me, I want to know people as quick as possible. I want them to know me so that when they're ready, they come to me first. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not the person for them, I want to be able to be the one that introduces them to other people. So what, because you opened the subject, what was a bizarre situation when we, you, had, you had to handle investor objections about real estate? <laughs> well, that was pretty uh, bizarre. <laughs> I've never been called old before. <laughs> so I guess, I guess it's the growing out of my white hair. Um, streaks in my hair, I guess, equal old. Um, that, was pretty, that, was, that was pretty up there. Um, I think, you know, I'll talk about like investing with family. Because mm. for any of your listeners who are new, who are just getting into this, you you're probably going to go to your friends and family first. Yeah. And it's okay if they say no. Just wanted to let your audience know that. It's okay if your friends and family say no. And don't take it personally if they do. That no, no matter what happens into the future or really has nothing to do with you. It has to do with more of maybe their education at the time or they they just don't have the money and they don't want to tell you that even though it looks like you know there a lot of people look like they have a lot of money but don't really have the money in the bank account Mm. um so don't let that no scare you i know this is not a funny thing but i did say my funny thing before but this is a very truthful thing because in the beginning i took some of those no's a little personally and like not so outwardly that I couldn't talk to my friends or my family again, but more like inwardly. And I kept on asking them, like I kept on, I keep on asking certain family members, even after we've had nine exits at this point, nine very successful exits, mind you. And they said, they still say no. But again, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm going to keep on offering and they might keep on saying no. And that's okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. They know yeah. I exist and they know I'm very successful at what I do, that my team is very successful at what they do. And we're going to keep on doing what we do. And if they want to join us, then great. And if not, that's okay too. 100%. So what is your kind of exit strategy now? You keep working on a syndication as a GPLP or you, you usually work with GP, um, I mean, a regular partnership? Because you because you're focusing on multifamily, big multifamily. So I think that your structure is more like a syndication GPLP, correct? Yes, we are. We do primarily syndications. We've done a couple of, we did one uh, partnership. We did one JV, but that was just with one gentleman that brought the capital to one of our deals. So we decided not to do a syndication on that one, but primarily syndications. Okay. Okay. So my usual question is, who was your influential mentor on your career in the last five years? Ooh, most influential mentor. I've had so many. Multifamily, Joe Fairless. I can't, okay. I can't not 
mentioned Joe Ferris, especially when you have his book right there on your You see it, yeah. <laughs> I see it up, up above you. I saw that and I was like, yeah. okay, I'm talking to good people because he he know he either knows or reads Joe. Yeah. Um, we started with Joe in 2016. He has been instrumental. In fact, um, Jason has a call with him today just to go over some, some uh, growth things because uh, we're growing our business. And it's amazing to have access to someone who is just a few steps ahead of us. Yeah. Always. Because he started a few years before us and we learned from him and we continue to learn from him because we were able to get with him at a time. I remember when we, <clears throat> when we first started with Joe, he was 55 million assets under management. Now I think he's like hitting a billion. billion right now. No, two. Two. There we go. Yeah. He's working so, with Ashcroft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's working with Ashcroft Capital. So you see that massive growth and we get to be a part of that massive growth because we're in his network. Um, we can schedule a call with him and he'll take our call. He's invested in our deals. Hmm. Um, so within multifamily, he's definitely been one of the most instrumental to our growth and careers. That's perfect. Um, what is your plan? So what is your next five years plan? Next five years, um, we are diversifying. Uh, Jason actually just went to go check out a storage unit. Um, it's a 65, 65 units storage facility. Um, so we're looking at that. So we're still diversifying into that. And then for the next five years, we are continuing to look at multifamily assets. We're gonna continue to grow our team uh, we are talking about growing at least a team of 10 within the next two years um, and then continuing to scale up from there and really to spend as much time as I can with my kids because for the next five years, if we're talking about my seven-year-old that takes him to 12, he's going to be hitting those teenage years soon. And that's really important to me. He's a our boy. Wise, our family. Our oldest is a boy. Yeah. Okay. You're going to have a tough year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, we have Luke, who is seven, Lily, who is five, and Leo, who is three. So in those next five years, honestly, I, I really want to spend as much as I have of those years, this Jason too, as we can with them, because those are formidable years. I want to be able to teach them everything I can. And if they want to join us in what we're doing, great. If they want to become artists or musicians or hedge fund managers, it's up to them. It's good. The last one is good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the last serious question will be, what is your superpower? What is my superpower? I would think talking with people. Just my motto is to enter a room with all the aloha I have in my heart. So my entire name is actually Pili Aloha. Mm. Aloha in Hawaiian, the closest word in English means love. A lot of your listeners probably think of the word of aloha as meaning like hello or goodbye. It actually means neither of those things. Okay. When someone says aloha to you, it's like someone shouting the word love, just like out loud. It's like, it's akin to the words like shalom and mm. namaste yeah. and I'm not sure if in the Egyptian language, there's like some salam. salam, salam, yeah. So, <laughs> salam is peace. Yeah. So just like that word, that's what aloha is to the Hawaiian people. Okay. So that's part of my name. So I have, to, I'm going to be my name, and I'm going to enter a room with all of that, 
and more because I believe people deserve it. Not to say if I enter a room, I don't feel that I can also exit the room, but I wanna bring as many people into what we do as possible. I wanna help as many people as I can while I'm on this earth. I wanna, I'm on this planet to leave it better than it was when I exited. Just like we do with our multifamily properties, right? We pick up multifamily properties and we wanna leave them better when we exit them. That's the great thing about multifamily. Like the people, and I found the investors in this, the people in this industry take that to heart. Most of the multifamily investors have this mindset is of, I want to leave it better, especially our value add um, mm. multifamily investors. I want to leave it better. And it, it's ingrained in our heads and we bring that out into the world. So that's my superpower. It's Aloha. 100%. 100%. We can conclude with Aloha, but before we conclude, we can go to how the people can follow your success. Oh, fantastic. You can simply go to my website, www.yerusiholdings.com. You can find out about everything we're doing there. You can find our coaching program. You can access our investments. Everything's there. And you can find out more information about Jason, myself, and our team. Thanks a lot for today and we're really happy to bring you again to the show. Thank you so much, Adam. It Thank was you a lot. Honor.